Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Make History Dope Again. We are coming to you from the Sunflower State, uh, representing, <laughs> and we're back with a, a fireside chat. Uh, we just uh, want to keep producing content, I want to share with you guys what we're learning, what we're teaching, and, and, and just what's going on in, in the world. And so, yeah, how are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited for this episode. Yeah. Uh, I know, especially we wanted to talk about the, the, the museum exhibit here in our, our local our local city yeah. uh, about Indian boarding schools. Yeah. And so I'm excited that we can kind of get into it. And Andrew and Jonathan went on a, on a field trip. We went on an adventure. We did, and Ethan didn't join us. So stay tuned uh, <laughs> for uh, stay tuned for this uh, episode where we'll talk about that and much, much more. Well, uh, I feel like we need to give a shout out to the fans. We can say it now, the fans. We do have some, yeah. We do, Mama. We made it. Yeah, t-shirts <laughs> and everything. It's you know, it's been pretty cool. Um, to I mean, I I knew our friends and family would support us, and they have been. It's been really cool to see that and and get that encouragement and support from them. But what's kind of cool is now, I mean, I'm not being recognized in public. <laughs> not yet, anyway. Although there was that one time. We talked about that. Before oh my! Yeah, at Starbucks. The, we were at Starbucks. Wait, what? Uh-huh. Yeah, you have to tell me. Okay, I have to kind of remember. I'm going to butcher the details. I can't remember the name of the barista. I was in the drive-through on the way here to record, and I was just chatting with the barista, and I was like, "Yeah, we're going to go report a, a record a podcast called Make History Dope Again." And she knew what I was talking about because Andrew, she knew you from I want to say from school. From I, th- I think it was Jasmine. I won't say your last name, Jasmine. Uh, we went to yes, we were yeah, in marching yeah. band together. Oh, okay. And uh, and now this was this was probably I think it was in the summer. So it was it was at that point we'd had you on Jonathan. We hadn't made you officially a history bro yet, but uh, I think we'd had you on at that point. And so and she was yeah. And so what does that ritual look like to be named a history bro? Uh, a lot of hazing. Oh, uh, oh really? A lot of hazing. Yeah. <laughs> it could play along. Come on. Come on. <laughs> no, I gotta keep my wits about me now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, we haven't. We've been. Yeah. It's the. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, you're very glad that you're here joining us now. But no, dude, you're you're so right on on. We've we've I think we've so maybe attained support. local celebrity status. By local, I mean just our circle of people it's... that we know. <laughs> <laughs> by celebrity, I I I just don't. Yeah. But we, we told you guys that we would use uh, we'd use the the profits from our from our shirt sales um, to to make better podcasts. And you know we're still have some stuff in in the works, but. You know, we're now recording. We now have like theme music. We now have. Um, we're recording this episode with three microphones. Yes. When we started, guys, it was literally first of all, episode one's a disaster because <laughs> I was recovering from <laughs> knee surgery, uh, and so I was pretty in and out. And you sat there and listened to me go through like what almost five six hours of. George and Washington. then I would just <laughs> jump in on and talk about Blues Brothers for like twenty. minutes. It's rough, dude. It's. <laughs> I, I to be honest with you, I think I've got through episode one. Maybe part of episode two, and then I haven't done any more. That's, so. that's the that's the ritual. You have to sit and listen to the first three episodes. We've talked about going back and like voicing over, like just so you know, like Commentary. there we go, new idea. We can have some commentary episodes. Yeah, just kind of. We could have like a 
remember when uh, who was it? It wasn't Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Shia LaBeouf watched all of his movies back to back. Dude, we've had this conversation yeah. on how much I love Shia LaBeouf. You love Shia LaBeouf. He's he's a creative genius. Yeah, you think word. maybe we should use the money from the podcast to pay Shia LaBeouf <laughs> to do voiceovers of our podcast and and this we can make it i think he would this jonathan marks the starting of your hazing <laughs> <laughs> am i being fired is this like, <laughs> is right? is this wait yeah. i'm not getting paid yeah, yeah, right? wait, hold on a second you're getting paid <laughs> but you know we're, we're coming to you guys with three microphones now yeah. um and then you know after we had the first we, we finally got one microphone yeah um and then we just would shoot it in between the three of us and we were just so impressed with ourselves and then we realized like we could have more than one and then you know and so now like again we're not done with like producing and, and getting better but we really feel like not only do we have support you guys have been great on social media yeah you guys are wearing our merch um yeah. i've had i've had uh friends and family just kind of share on their social media like about the podcast and even ask them to they just did it's really cool We've had a lot of people who've reached out and, and with ideas for topics, uh, ideas for, for shirt topics. Um, yes. A lot of people who, like, we consider, like, who we look up to have been like, I'd love to come on the podcast sometime. And we're like, you know about the podcast? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the Teddy Roosevelt was actually a suggestion from uh, one of the listeners yeah. and one of our close friends. And so he's like, you know what? If you make this shirt my wife will buy a shirt and we said we're making the shirt we're making the shirt <laughs> and then andrew made the shirt yeah that's the story behind the t-row shirt instead of taking the canal we took the shirt right we, we <laughs> you took the shirt so yeah go on our facebook page yep. and leave us you know comments on what you think about the episodes i mean it would love to, we'd love to of course the people that we see face to face we get to talk about it but for those of you that we don't get to see face to face I mean, just share your honest feelings on what you thought about the episode and maybe fact check us even, you know. Yeah, and I'm sure we've gotten stuff wrong. Oh, no, absolutely. You know? We know who we are. Like, we're not prideful, you know. <laughs> yeah. we're, just, we're just three guys sitting around a table talking shop, right? Yeah. So. Well, and if you have ideas for shirts or whatever, yeah, just come on our Facebook page. Yep. Yeah. Make History Dope Again. You know, follow us on Twitter. Make History Dope Again. Yeah. Instagram, yes. make history dope again. Twitter has like an IG. underscore going on there. For some yeah, reason. it's like uh-huh. dope underscore history. So yeah, it's, all it's, it's not history of marijuana. It's just you know just dope history. So I'm the so. yeah I'm the, <laughs> I'm, I'm the boomer of the group. I'm like exclusively on Facebook. Are you? <laughs> yeah. mm. I have an Instagram page and people still add me on there and I I click accept because I still have the app on my phone, but I haven't posted on Instagram since college. That's... I, don't, I don't think and so. I actually had it public on accident, and students went and found nothing inappropriate, but found old college pictures of me that were just dumb, <laughs> and they would start sending them to each other. You remember it was a weird. full beard, Ethan? Yes, it was like I don't know, like eighteen like seventies, yeah. Ethan. It was very much John Brown, Ethan. <laughs> yes. is what it was. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what I was going for. Which I also was, was digging a, it, man. a very, a very common suggestion for both topic and shirt. John, John Brown, the patron Ooh. saint of Kansas. I think actually, <laughs> Jonathan, you might have enough knowledge right now, unprepared to do it, because you are a huge John Brown guy. Uh, I respect some John Brown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess John Brown. Uh, Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. So, as you know, John Brown was. Yeah. So John Brown was a. He was a pastor, right? He was. He was a man of God, religious man. Uh, during the the eighteen fifties, eighteen fifty four, you got the Kansas Nebraska Act 
that opened up the eventual states of Kansas and Nebraska to settlement mm-hmm. uh, with the idea of popular sovereignty, right? Yeah. Which Let comes the from the, the famous uh, Lincoln-Douglas debates. Yeah. Right, yeah. And so yeah. you have uh, lots of people coming from the east to Kansas specifically because they, they pretty much knew Nebraska was it was far enough north that it was going to be a free state. Um, but right. Kansas was right there on the on the line that was originally established by the Missouri Compromise, right, in 1820. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of Kansas was the was the battleground. And so mm-hmm. you had a lot of people, we talked about it last uh, fireside chat, coming from Missouri, um, the bushwhackers, as, as they're called, uh, voting to try to make Kansas a, a slave state. And then you had the Jayhawkers trying to make them a free state. Well, John Brown was one of those northerners who, who traveled to to Kansas to try to influence the vote, you know, popular sovereignty. And uh, John Brown kind of kind of clashed with some of these these pro-slavery settlers. Uh, him and his sons, I believe, massacred uh, a group of them at Potawatomi. Potawatomi, yep. yeah. And so he, he gained a reputation of, of being a very radical uh, abolitionist. And most people know of John Brown through the Harper's Ferry yep. raid in, in Harper's Ferry, Virginia, where... Yeah. He, uh, he, he, his goal was to, to rob this armory uh, and provide slaves with guns. That's huge. Yeah. He was trying to start a slave revolt. Yeah, like very, he, very he, much he, in the spirit of like Nat Turner. Well, yeah, and you know. he, he had uh, uh, something I, had, I remember learning about that recently was that he was trying, him and Frederick Douglass were close. Really? And he was trying to get Frederick Douglass to join him at Harper's Ferry because he knew if he got Frederick Douglass to come along, then there would be a better chance of getting enslaved people to yeah. join. And this is this is pre-Civil War. Yes. Right? This is 1850. Yep. And Douglass was like, yeah. Douglass was kind of close to going, but obviously did not so go. So think about alternative history because, okay, so when he gets, he obviously it's a, it's a failed raid. Yeah. Um, I, I believe the commanding officer of the people who capture him, uh, and this is not of the Confederates, this is of the United States Army. I believe the commanding officer was Robert E. Lee. Really? I believe. Google that. I, um, I believe he was. He was certainly there. He, I think he was in command. Wow. I also believe um, Jeb Stewart, either Jeb Stewart or Stonewall Jackson. What one of those two? You know, here is it Robert right? E. Lee. Robert, Robert e. Lee. Lee. I believe Jeb Stewart. Yep. Jeb wow. Stewart was there. Yeah. Now the reason I know that is because my my grandmother, when I was a kid, spent a lot of time at her house, and uh, one of the movies they had was a, a movie from I don't even know, the '60s maybe about about John Brown, um, and uh, I think Jeb Stewart, who was kind of a main character in this this film, was starring uh, Ronald Reagan because you know, Ronald Reagan was an really? actor. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I'll just see if I have it, and I'll. It's I don't know if it's worth watching but it certainly was enjoyable <laughs> and you know now what happens to John Brown? so he like like you guys mentioned uh the harper's ferry raid is a fail him and his sons are, are captured and and hung yep yeah and so that's that's basically his sons, it. wasn't it him and his sons him and his sons and they yeah. had some some other followers as well uh, yeah they were hung and that was the end of, of john brown in person but his legacy kind of lives on in kansas he he basically became kind of a martyr yeah. Yep. To yep. to a lot of people in Kansas and this pro this anti slavery idea, uh, for example, the the Capitol uh, building in Topeka yeah. has the famous uh, I believe his his name is John Curry John Stuart Curry 
the artist, I think. I don't know. Who I the think you had it right the first time. John yeah. Curry Stewart. I think so. One of those two. But it's, um, it's, it's iconic, man. Yeah, it's, it's the iconic, the mural. And in it, you know, he's he's has his arms stretched wide. A Bible in one Bible. hand, a musket in the other. I thought he had pizza and a pint. <laughs> oh wait, no. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah, of course. There's a local. Well, it's uh, a local brewery. A local brewery that that kind of copped his his sign. Um, now, okay, I'm trying to think of that mural. Um, you were right. It's it's John Stuart Curry. John it Stewart is Curry. okay. Yeah. I re- I remember in my undergrad, I I believe I analyzed that. It's an incredible pre-Civil War mm-hmm. painting. Because his well, hand it's, is, it wasn't made pre Civil War, but you know, yeah, obviously about the, the time, the context. Yeah, like his hands are are one of his hands is like got blood on it. Oh, um, there's just yeah, lots of detail. Now he's holding, um, he's holding a Beecher Bible. Yeah, you know, meaning a Sharps rifle. You know, uh, what was the first name of that preacher? Uh, something Beecher, Pastor Beecher, because his his um. Related to Harriet Beecher. Yeah, his he's the dad of Harriet Beecher Stowe, who writes Uncle Tom's Cabin. Um, and you know, of course, they shipped uh, they shipped these rifles. I believe they're mostly Sharps rifles to to Kansas in boxes labeled Bibles. You know? Henry, oh yeah, that's right. Henry Ward Beecher. Henry Ward. Okay. Henry's always a good, solid old old <laughs> yeah. white guy name, right? Is, you know uh, what? With uh, John Brown, I always love with my U.S. one classes to go into the discussion and debate of. Was John Brown a terrorist? That's the seventh grade uh, DBQ question. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, in in our district, for those of you who may, may be listening outside of our, our kind of Kansas area, they uh, have to basically answer a historical question and, and cite evidence using like primary documents. Uh, and so they started in sixth grade and do it all the way up till their junior year of high school. So their seventh grade one is: Was he a terrorist or was he, a, I believe, a martyr? Right? Which, yeah. which is pretty intense for a seventh grade to go into, and I don't think Real they get into. Real intense, yeah. Well, I remember <laughs> in college, my Kansas history professor describing in detail, and I'll be careful here on the podcast, but some of the atrocities committed by John Brown and what he would do to slave owners um, in front of their families. Yeah, yeah, like, some pretty. Pretty intense stuff. Permanent mutilation, uh, to say the least. I mean, Very permanent. Yeah, <laughs> extremely permanent. Yes, <laughs> interpret that as you will. <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely he's definitely an interesting figure. Uh, very interesting time period. You guys got me thinking now about the alternative history. Yeah, because I, I wasn't thinking. I, I guess I didn't realize there, the the Frederick Douglass connection. So there might have been a slave revolution. Yeah, it's like would there have been now the secession that. Would that have been delayed? Yeah. Would, would there would would those you know anti-slavery sentiments gone down and the pro-slavery sentiments gone see, up? See, that's interesting because that would have because at the time you know you're starting to see a growth of general abolition, but like the Republican Party, their at least their party platform, it's in its infancy. Infancy, and it's and it's really at least the, like Lincoln's platform is anti-expansion of slavery. Yes, you know, it's, it's just, it's just no new places. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's interesting because if you think of it, like there's going to be some abolitionists who are going to say like, well, this is this, of course, you know, you, you, you fight fire with fire. Right. And then, but there's going to be people who are going to say, well, that's not the answer. I wonder, would that have delayed the civil war? Would that have killed think, the abolition? Movement? I think because uh, my, my assumption which every history professor is like, don't get into what if history, but I love what if history, and so do students. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I think our history channel is what if history. <laughs> yeah, <right>? it is. <laughs> Aliens. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think 
I think because of the radicalism of John Brown and Harper's Ferry, if that would have been successful, I think the United States government would have kind of been in a position to put it down. It, would have, it, it wouldn't have been a, side. It wouldn't have been necessarily a civil war or a split between North and South per se. I think it would have been kind of yeah, just different. well. So it wouldn't have been a revolution. It would have been a rebellion, right? I yeah, mean, very much in the you know the, the Nat Turner or the uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Whiskey Rebellion, Chase Rebellion, you know, whatever, right? Another, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. It would have been an, another one in the books, right? Yeah. I love that we have been talking for 16 minutes. And this is awesome. Like, that just happened. Like, we, <laughs> um, when we, when we were, uh, we, we told you guys last time we're, we're trying to release on a little bit more of a consistent basis, you know, and, and just see where it goes. But, you know, we, we had a, you know, our little strategy sesh, we, we were like, are people going to be tired of us? Like, what if we don't talk enough history? People were like, it's the history podcast. And guys, we just did 15, min- 15 minutes plus the promo uninterrupted on John Brown. <laughs> like, Oh, we're recording right now? Yeah. We're, 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 just, <laughs> <laughs> we're just hanging out. So um, we, we uh, Jonathan and I had the pleasure this past Saturday of um, uh, our local Native American Museum um, had a really special traveling exhibit on Indian boarding schools. Um, and we got the chance to go. Ethan was trying to go, but had just some, some life stuff. Uh, just think it was... I worked volleyball again. <laughs> and then by the time I got done, I had some domestic things to attend to. So, so no, cleaning we, the house. We missed you, man, but we knew it was important. Yeah. 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 And so we wanted to kind of fill you anything because you missed... It was... I really enjoyed it. I hadn't it been in that museum... Yeah. Ever, I don't think. It's it's been years since I'd been in that museum. And it it was impressive. So, I I think for people that haven't been there, it's the Mid-America Indian Center. Yes. Is the name of it. And it's more of a community center for Native American, local Native American people here in our town. And they have an exhibit space, but it's not... So it's not numerous it's exhibits. Not permanent, yeah. It's like it's like one like they where they have traveling exhibits come in. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, there was there were some permanent features that were on the wall mm-hmm. that were that were more local Native American history, but right. Yeah, open space for a lot of traveling stuff. I remember for my like cultural anthropology classes in college, we have to go observe and witness, you know, a, a different culture. <laughs> I actually double dipped for two different projects I went to the mid-america indian center and i think it was every wednesday night they have a community night where they do drum circles and and a lot of people from the native american community and anybody else can just kind of come and so yeah some cool memories there learned a lot of stuff and uh i'm just bummed i couldn't join you guys no i mean it was i really enjoyed it um the entire time i was internalizing kind of your because you know your your master thesis um that we we had that two-part series of last uh last spring yeah yeah, yeah. you're know, looking at the role of uh of native american mascots yeah uh, and in and, and schools specifically the entire time i was kind of channeling that you know um yeah i, de- I definitely <laughs> think that 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 master's thesis which i was so happy to be a part of mm-hmm. uh really did inspire us as we were going through this 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 museum and, and right now andrew and i are taking a class on american indian history so we're definitely kind of there's some, there's some <laughs> vibes in the this. podcast yeah. i mean definitely no, it definitely kept it going and um yeah, now awesome. you your your paper was kind i guess it was kind of the end of the gilded age right yeah it was more about the i i, I did a little bit of context as far as the um indian wars and 
in kind of the late 19th century. Yeah. But really, I focused more on early 20th century and that transition into right. from from actual culture to romanticized culture. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and, and that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm looking at we're in this Native American class and we have to do kind of a final uh, paper project. And so I'm, I'm going to look at the Wild West shows, uh, which, you know, kind of started right, you know, late Indian Wars and continued yeah. into the early 19th century. And then I think I think I'm going to try to connect it to, you know, yeah, like like 20th century popular culture that would be awesome um, i feel like we're kind of we're 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 focusing on different things but we're kind of like all three of us yeah um because you're going to focus on boarding yeah, i'm, schools, I'm right? going to look at uh the indian boarding schools of the 20th century uh so a lot of them developed right around the time of the indian wars that you mentioned in the late 19th century and I'm not exactly sure what i'm going to do if i'm going to zone in on one school in particular uh, yeah but I, I was really just interested in um, the schools and, and maybe their possible connection with, you know, the appropriation of culture yeah, or that'd be good. something like that. So right. I'm, I'm excited to dig into it. I, I know. I don't know about you, Jonathan, but, and Ethan, you're done now, but, uh, I don't, yeah, which <laughs> has to feel good. Uh, but I literally every semester for, of grad school, I like pick a topic that would be my entire life's work. And then my professor's like calm down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's what, that's what I've been getting. So, uh, I don't know if I'll get into this grandiose idea that I have. I've had a lot of comments of like, save that for your thesis, save that for your thesis. Which so. is, I mean, you know, if you really find a, I think that's what a lot of historians, you know, people who continue to their doctorate and, and publish, and you have to imagine that they probably had a couple classes, you know, in their undergrad and graduate where they were like, I love this. Like, yeah. You know. I always, before, I was like, how do, how do people write these these books? Yeah. Mm. But now getting into some of these classes, it's it's easy. I feel like to to get into these rabbit holes to to have oh, yeah. these ideas, right? But then you gotta have the time to do it and everything. But it's a lot of context. It's too. a lot. Now we we can't we don't want to speak the entire thing. We'll certainly have um, later this this fall and winter. We'll we'll have probably multiple part series for for mine the, the Wild West shows and their impact on culture, and then we'll do a spotlight series for for yours as well, looking mm-hmm. at. The Indian schools, uh, Indian schools, and in whatever direction you <laughs> yeah. take that, yeah. But should we? I guess we should. So then, in this museum, they had did a really good job of outlining um, the kind of individual experiences of the boarding schools, as well as just kind of the grander purpose. Um, we probably should recap real quick for our, our listeners. Yeah. So for those of you who aren't aware, um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, the U.S. government, um, through the the Bureau of Indian Affairs started to fund specific boarding schools for Native American peoples. Um, and I was one thing that I was surprised after going to this museum is simply how many there were. Um, mm. they, they had maps of, uh, of where these were located. And there was like one in Alaska. Like they were literally... Yeah, there were two in Alaska. Yeah, they, yeah. they were all over the place. Huh. And I, I had obviously known of like the most famous being the Carlisle yeah, Indian Carlisle, Industrial School in Pennsylvania. And then I knew a new Carlisle. I'd heard of the one in California, and then Sherman. then Sherman. Uh, there's yeah. Sherman, and then I and then there was um, Haskell, which is just in in, in Lawrence yeah, here in Kansas. And so I, those are the three I knew about. Yeah. But yeah, we were passing around the map here. It, oh wow! I encourage you guys to just Google uh, and look where they all are. Indian boarding schools. Yeah, a lot of them are in the. Sorry, I didn't realize it turned on you. Uh, a lot of them are in the in the Midwest. So you got Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, uh, North and South Dakota, 
Colorado, New Mexico, so kind of the Midwest yeah. and then the Southwest. The two in Alaska was surprising because, you know, these boarding schools start at the conclusion of the Indian Wars, mm-hmm. right? And so you think, what, early 1880s, right? Right in that period. Um, but, like, Alaska, like, we bought it during the Civil War, right? Yeah, right. 1860s. Seward's Folly, right? I right, guess, so. when when is the Alaskan Gold Rush? Is that 1880s? It is. It so is. I guess I think so. Maybe there's some. That's some... certainly going to drive. I was thinking like westward expansion, yeah. right? That would definitely be kind of their westward expansion, right? Yeah, because it's interesting. If if Alaska is such a remote place, you think that they would maybe just leave them alone? Well, it wasn't until like the. Well, I'm, I'm looking it up now. Like the Klondike Gold Rush was the very end of the 19th century, like 1890s. So so there are mm. there are people there. So that kind of explains a little bit. Yeah, it was cool in the museum because they showed there was their portraits of. Um, not obviously obviously didn't cover every tribe that went to these boarding schools, but you know they they showed like one tribe. Um, before they went to the the Indian school, and they're and they're you know in their in their tribal attire, their their hair is is a big one, their dress right, and yeah. then they shows them like now they're American this, this white yeah. haircut, and they're they're wearing you know what boarding schools made you wear, and usually like, kind kids of are like in ties. A, a uniform, uh, like a military uniform type of thing. It definitely had some very military vibes, um, but in in that same area they showed um, uh, indigenous people from Alaska as well. And you could you could obviously tell that like they're from Alaska. Like, yeah. they look a lot different than. So I'm know. curious in the pictures you guys saw and kind of the before pictures of the indigenous people. I'm sure they each representative of their own kind of tribe and culture, and they probably you know of course the Native Americans from Alaska, very different than the Plains Native Americans, very different from the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. The after pictures, did they all look the same? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Standard, like Andrew said. You know, typical Western haircut, sure. um, yeah. military type uniforms. Cut real short. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, that's a good point, Ethan. It, it's definitely if you're looking at the after pictures, if you had any sense of of native knowledge, you wouldn't be able to point out. Yeah, like this is a Plains Indian or this is someone, yeah. you know, from the Southwest. Really, just kind or, of uh, was that homo- homogenized? Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which um, I guess was the goal for kind of the, the government goal. at that time. So this, for, for reference, guys, this is after the, the conclusion of the Civil War. There's kind of a period known as the Indian Wars. Not because there was any singular war, but rather there were just so many conflicts with the U.S. Army v. the the tribes that were you know re- reacting to, yeah. to westward expansion and, and mining and everything like that. Railroads, certainly. Right. Um and so after these Indian Wars conclude and, and the, the surviving tribes are moved onto reservations, um, this Indian school movement grows. Um, and originally it grows as like a like philanthropy, as like mm-hmm. if you want to. It, it really was was preached not as, OK, let's 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 move them from their family. Let's steal their culture. It very much was like um Oh, you wanna you wanna help you wanna help these poor you know wretched souls? Let's give them civilization. So yeah. it was very justified by the white man uh, to make natives like the white man, right? Well, that had been a that and that's going back to the George Washington podcast. That had been a prevailing th- uh, thought through United States history is the um, the people that were sympathetic to Native American people being a part of society. The caveat was always as long as they became more American, as long as they assimilated, mm. right? 
the um the terminology i think of the museum they said um remove or civilize, well, I civilize. Think, so something like that civilize. Civilize. Yeah. Well, that, that would yeah. i think that's the terminology that they would use in the time right civilize as long as then the, the native american or the you know quote-unquote indian could be civilized then they have a place in american society and so I, that was a conversation i remember speaking george washington said that right and i think that's obviously i think this is the last ditch well i don't know if you call it the last ditch effort it was either either we kill your tribe or right. kill you or assimilate and I guess in that period from George Washington say that saying that until you know, the 1880s, there's a lot of a lot of tri- a lot of tribes who didn't make it right. You know, yeah. 100 years oh right. You know, and and so the the people who did resist, you know, were whether it was through disease or or starvation or or, or massacre, right, or, or conflict, yeah. right. Um, now, uh, the the movement of these boarding schools, right, it, it has to do with assimilation. Um, many times these 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 kids um because i think i think the american government from what i remember from the museum they they see they see the adults on these reservations as like finished products yes right one thing um that the founder of the carlisle school which is kind of the most famous one uh richard richard h pratt pratt yeah richard h pratt talked about he talked about people as blank slates yeah right Hmm. yeah he has this really interesting quote which i think i mentioned it during your um your podcast ethan over your your thesis where he's the guy who came up the quote on on kill the indian save the man this idea of of civilizing the quote-unquote savage and he 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 had an interesting part in this quote where he talks about everyone is born a blank slate and we are a product of our environment Mm. and so Mm. the idea that the the indian is a savage because they live in a savage environment right and then he goes even further on if we continue to allow them to live on these reservations, we're we're continuing to allow them to to be savages. And so he very much thought he was, you know, doing the the right thing and in, 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 yeah, in yeah. you know, their best interest in quote unquote, you know, saving the men, saving the man like behind the from Indians. themselves yeah. almost, right? Yeah. So Yeah. That was an interesting an interesting take from from his words. Right. When you put it into perspective like that. Now, what was interesting to me, and this would be kind of you know later, right? Um, but these boarding schools, like, so the, the whole adage, I mean, it's that direct quote from him of, of kill the Indian, save the man, right? That was interesting to me. But then when you looked at, like, like say their sports teams mm-hmm. or, like, their marching band, you know, because one of their things was, you know, like, well, you, you can't you can't perform, tr- you know, your tribal yeah. stuff, but you can, you know, get this tuba. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but their but their mascots were oftentimes na- of native icons. Un- uncivilized natives. Yeah. Right now, but they weren't. <laughs> but they weren't like, okay, your tribe is Cherokee mm-hmm. or your tribe is Sioux. So let's let's match that. It was very much like what we'd call the Hollywood Indian, you yes. know, always on a horse, always in a headdress, always with, you know, a, it's always like the profile feather. and yeah. Right. And so it was, it was, it was really Your interesting to me that it's like, we kill the Indian, we save the man, but we give them, we give the Indian back the part of the Indian that we liked. Yes. That looked really good on the side of a helmet or a it's, t-shirt. It's, it's definitely. And, I, and I, once again, I think we mentioned this in your, in yours, Ethan, but this idea of, of the white man taking control of the Indian and, and taking control of those aspects of the culture. And we're going to give you back what we want to give you back, but like we're in control of it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a very interesting 
part of our of our country's history for sure when you when you start to step back and look at it you know i think something um we just celebrated indigenous people's day yesterday yes. that's something really cool that happened here in our town is our mayor actually uh, a couple weeks ago we had a trail of tears memorial actually at the same place mm-hmm. the, the america indian center and our our mayor showed up and declared that on Columbus Day, we're going to be celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day. So that's pretty cool, I think, here. And I think, um, wow, this is going to sound ultra nerdy. On Facebook, I follow our local PBS station. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> they they, they he, post stuff um, on he, there. He pushed up his glasses as he said that. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, but something that I saw on there that really kind of struck me is, uh, is a short video clip, and I can't remember where from, but um, it was a... Um, uh, indigenous person today sharing you know as you celebrate indigenous people's day um keep in mind as you often learn about the history you learn about native americans in the past but remember that they're still around today in their life today and so i was looking and i could be wrong on here but i was looking in about if there's still indian boarding schools open today so i don't i don't know if the museum exhibit showed anything about that but i'm googling it right now so yeah. yes is yes, the answer. yes. <laughs> so yeah once again when we were looking at those maps uh it, there was a really cool interactive like touch screen map that you could nice. get touch on the different ones and it would tell you and everyone it would show like if they were closed or open and andrew and i we looked at each other and we're like there's a lot of these that are still open. I think we spent almost as much time at that map as we did like the rest of the exhibit. <laughs> so there's, there's four? Yeah, four or five for sure. There's five. Yeah. Four, four or five, somewhere in there, yeah. On the uh, um, Department of the Interior's website, I'm looking at a testimony from 2015 where Mark Cruz? Yeah, I don't know. Um, anyways, he's a Deputy Assistant Secretary for the Policy and Economic Development of Indian Affairs, or at least he was in 2019. Um, was talking about kind of the four off-reservation boarding schools, one in Oklahoma, one in California, one in Oregon, and one in South Dakota. Hmm. Oh, yeah. They're, they're not counting Haskell because now it's a university. It's university. Uh, yeah. 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 So, so there, I think a lot of them did change to, to a university, right? Or I think and before Haskell was a university, it was like a JUCO, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And then I think it says additionally there's three tribally controlled boarding schools still, one in Oklahoma, one in South Dakota, and one in North Dakota. I guess I just never realized or even thought of, are there still some open today? I thought it was a thing of the past. Same. You know what I mean? I, I just didn't really think any of those schools would still be open. Right. And now, obviously, I'm going to have to spend some time looking this up later. But what does that look like now? What are those yeah, schools Yeah, like kind of now? like, what's the purpose of it? Sure. You know, because back then, the purpose was... was it wasn't hidden it was to assimilate and to pretty Americanize. open yeah yeah so it's curious on is this just like a means of an education sure because there like, is no it's it's a you know yeah especially public education like for off reservation it's you know yeah. is, is this education right that that would be interesting maybe that's something i need to look at for that my could paper. actually be that could be maybe what you zoom in on maybe yeah. the i know at haskell the because it's a four-year university now i know the mm-hmm. um the dropout rates are pretty high um, which I mean, but I but that makes sense if you frame it as you know, it's not like okay, we got rid of the Indian boarding schools. Life is perfect for for indigenous people. You know, there's still all the other cultural and still social. repercussions. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. It's and I mean, nothing happens in a vacuum, right? And I think I think the stories of native people today is a perfect example of that. You know, it's yeah. 
you're still dealing with those after effects, you know. So oh, yeah. I'm excited for what I'm going to learn in the Wild West show, and I'm excited for Jonathan learns. And I think Ethan, you've kind yeah, of I'm be- stoked. I'm so stoked <laughs> to learn. You've become such you're such the scholar of, of our group, man. And okay, so we're, I gotta hold on. I gotta myth bust this because we had a coworker make, made a comment today, and you guys are trying to give me a big head. I really don't know anything. <laughs> Which know? is exactly what somebody who's I, an expert says. Yes. No, so I'm so far from expert. I just love to listen and learn. And so, dude, I'm, I'm so excited for your guys' projects. You know, for whatever reason, I really enjoy learning and, and hearing about yeah. Native American history and culture. Well, I think it matters. Like we kind of are our biggest conclusion in, in your two-part series, and we'd encourage people to go back. And if you're into curious of how you know native mascots came to be certainly go back and, and check our our part two episode or part yeah two part let's flip that two part episode yeah, yeah series yeah. from uh from last spring um i think it was i think it was in june was it in june it like got summer, pushed back. Summer, I, I had an extension that's right yes. <laughs> covid <Yep. laughs> but you know i i I lost my train of thought. But my point is, is I'm impressed with your and what I what I love about you, Ethan, and this is what it gets cheesy, is I love that you are truly a lifelong learner, and I think that's mm. such a great thing for everyone to remember. Um, and I I think as as history teachers, it's easy for us to apply like kind of like historical thinking skills to like yeah. everyday life. Sometimes our wives don't appreciate it, you know, because it's like <laughs> you mean all the time, all the time. Yeah, I'm talking time. about you, Taylor. That's right. Call her out. Yeah, call her out. Um, well, hold on. Let's contextualize this. Okay. We're... We gotta <laughs> hold exactly on. We gotta corroborate these stories. Yeah, I don't see that going well. Now we do. You know, we are very close to presidential election. We covered this a yep. little bit last time, right? And us being less than a month from you know the the vote itself. Um, obviously there's a, a lot of what I'd call the spin, right? Right yeah. now, you know, both both sides and then the, the third parties who we don't hear about very often, you know, are, are very much, you know, they're pulling clips of each other saying things and cutting it up and splitting it. And it's getting intense. Their prospective news organizations are, are reinforcing and selling that Tensifying, message home. Yes. You know, um, it seems like at a time where nuance is more important than ever, we lack nuance. Hmm. Um, so my question would be, what historical skills should people bring to the table when analyzing oh. the election? This is, man, we That's could a do a question. whole episode on this. Shoot. I think right away, you think about sourcing. Yes. I think yep. we, have, we have so much access to just information now yeah. that it's important to know where your information is coming from. Yeah. Um, as history teachers, we obviously, one of the things we have to teach is bias and the yep. fact that everyone has bias. And so just being aware of, of where your information is coming from, check your sources. Yeah. For sure. I think that's a big one. Yeah, I think sourcing is huge in time, always, but especially in times like this. Um, I think a skill that kind of comes to my mind would be. Um, you got to check yourself. You got to check your own bias. Uh, you got to check your own prejudice. Um, prejudice is you know, just, <laughs> we have, it's something every person needs to accept is that we each have prejudices. Like we all do, um, whether we like it or not. And so you just need to be aware of it, right. right? I think awareness is a huge step to overcoming it. So be aware of your prejudice, you know, um, 
Uh, and I think, you know, I don't know what to call it, whether it's maybe cultural relativism, like, you know, being aware that your culture is not superior to other people's culture. Maybe it's even uh, this idea of, we were talking about this before, Andrew, this idea of Whig history or presentism. Yeah. When yeah. We, I think that's a really important one. Yeah. When yeah. we project, when we spin history or whatever it might be, or even current events to benefit our group to benefit our culture um that's kind of what wig history is all about and presentism would be presenting or projecting our our current views onto things that have happened right in the past in the past could even be a couple weeks ago right you know what i mean right. like you know well because there's there's the past and there's those facts and then there's the, the history the are, recent are, past. Are in, right our interpretations of yeah. that right and even like one big thing would be like with covid you know i think there's so much you know, wig history there about, you know, the origins of the pandemic and just everything going on with now, it. Now, you, know? you should explain wig history for our audience because it's, and, yeah. and I, I want to make sure I understand what you're saying too. Cause yeah, it's it's not a yeah. Term, that's not a Definitely. term that it's I've not, heard it's, before. It's, it's, it's a, I think you, you, we all know what it is. I think we all call it something different. Yeah, sure. So. I think the more common term would be presentism. Okay, right? yeah, I'm, I know presentism. So wig history kind of, come, if I can summarize very briefly, kind of comes from, out of the wig political party out of England. Um, and this, it became a nickname for whenever, because this is what the Whigs did, they would take history, English history, and kind of bend it to the benefit of their party mm. and build like this kind of national narrative, oh, kind of the good guy versus the bad guy narrative that honestly comes to don- dominate a lot of history that we read, a lot of history that we teach. Sure. It's kind of the winners and the losers, the good and the bad. We're all guilty of this, and right? yeah. you know, yeah. you know, the whole history come, you know, it's written by the victors. That's Whig history. So you're, so you're taking, you're maybe not even what happened, but you're taking symbols or a calling card of the past and slapping it on whatever point you're trying to make now. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, almost, almost vice versa. Almost okay. that you're taking um, what you know now or what you want now, your mm. agenda, and you're manipulating the past to fit that. And so you're applying, say, 2020 morality on 1780 circumstance. Sure. Sure, exactly. Okay. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, well, I think even, you know, there's so much conversation. I mean, I don't, really don't want to get too political here, but this is just a really good relative example there's a lot of blaming going on for what should and shouldn't have been done at the beginning of this pandemic. Sure. We're using, you know, um, what is it? October, 2020 knowledge and information and projecting that onto people that maybe didn't have the same intelligence or information back in, you know, late 2019. They they didn't have the six months. You know what I mean? Right. And like, who knew what this was going to be like? Right. No. Yeah. And, and, but I think, you know, it's interesting is when we go to vote, I'm not even just talking about for the president, but for whomever, we just got to be aware of that, you know, that we're showing up with, we're we're bringing things to the table with us. We're bringing 2020 knowledge. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you, if we jumped in a time machine, right. And you're talking to, you know, pick your historical figure about sure. about Twitter and right. we're laughing at them. The fact that they don't understand what Twitter is, of course, they know what Twitter is. Right. Right. And that seems like a ridiculous example. But right. if you take that same thing and, and apply it towards more sensitive topics sure. of, of morality or things that we've yep. now deemed unacceptable or terms that we now deem unacceptable. Yep. Um, I know when I teach the like, say, the civil rights movement, 
right? Um, the way that um, civil rights activists refer to themselves and their communities, that term has changed, you know? Um, if, if we're talking about, say, the black community, right? The term, the terminology for that in the 1950s and 60s, um, positive terms yep. have changed, right? And certainly yep. negative terms have evolved too, yep. right? And so it, it, you can easily fall into that trap of, of and it, what's, and what's unfortunate about it is we, we all understand that history matters, understanding our, our past matters, but we oftentimes do all the hard work, all the legwork of, of learning, of learning what happened in the past, but then we, we miss out on the critical piece of, but the past isn't now, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it happened in the past. We can use it moving forward, but, you know, history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes, you know? Yeah. Mm. Things change. Interesting. Like that using the past to help the future, but not using the future to go back and analyze the past. That might be yeah, the yeah, simplest yeah. way I've heard yeah, it put. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a whole set of skills of interpretation that kind of come with that, you know, <clears throat> bridging the gap, you know, mm-hmm. between the people in the past and, and people now, you know, I think the trap for, I won't even just say it's typically more with young people, but uh, you know, there's a lot of people that fall into the trap of, you know, it's easy to look back. Um, and I'll just go with a very obvious one here that I deal with on a regular basis teaching, look back at, you know, you know, early America and, and kind of the thing, the kind of creation of, of the plantation system and slavery sure. and, you know, looking at American history and really trying to dive into, okay, why is this going on? And the oversimplistic answer that I consistently get from students is that white people are bad. And then so we have to break that down. Right. You know what I mean? And I think um, that is, now that's just a very common one I'm throwing out. The one so I, so what you're, and there's a lot of things you're saying, but partially what you're saying is like, certainly there's kernels of truth there that have been documented, but... Right, so right. Much, but, but nuance needs to be applied. Right. To that. that is not the finished statement. No, If somebody exactly. turns exactly. in yep. a master thesis that says white people are bad, you're not getting <laughs> points, dude. Right. Explain. I think right? and what, I ha- what I end up doing with that is I, and I'm like, okay, awesome. I love it. I love it. Let's talk about that. Does that mean all white people? Does that mean some or who? And we get into bottom line with this question or any other question, people are dynamic. Right. right, and there's a lot. Of, you use the word nuances. There's so many. There's so much nuance to history. To put any kind of blanket answer out there um, is is really dangerous. That is Whig history to oversimplify to say good bad, sure, good people bad people. Who's the victim, and who's the oppressor? Who's the hero? Who is the villain? Um, it's it's a really easy way to do history. It's an easy way to. Well, it's an easy yeah. way to carry out narratives. It's it's a really it's, it's a, the Wikipedia version of, of yeah. what life actually is. So right? we're being yeah. honest. Like at some point, we're all good. We're all bad. Like we're the hero and the villain. Right. That is such a, a like a altruistic. Is that the right word? It's, yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Right. So true. And I that's another point I love to drive home with my kids and like guys. Yeah. Right. We're all heroes and we're all villains. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I struggle with having historical heroes more with people who have heroic moments yes you know um just because i think i think it's it's dangerous and what's what happens is you know there's subjective truth is going to change over time you know 
Uh, one thing I was thinking of um, was obviously, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Um, and so you know, we've, we've had the way that Donald Trump and, and his cabinet and then governors and other political leaders and social leaders and, you know, whatever have responded to this crisis, you know. And oftentimes people look back in history at other crises, you know, and, and look at how, how those were handled. But in that same case, I mean, like, different situations you know there, there is obviously some overlap here but you know if you look at like jfk and the cuban missile crisis right obviously that tells you a little bit about jfk and his administration but also it ha- is framed in the 1960s right yeah Let's there's see. there's a lot more going on there's different circumstances like you said yeah you, you can't just try to there it's not apples and apples right right to break it down in simplistic terms is you know that's the that's the great thing about history is you you got to be aware that you know things are different and you got to look at it with a with a different perspective for sure. Right. Your favorite president's Lincoln. Most days. Right. Not again. Not perfect. Right. <laughs> yes, we yes. Understand that. And that's right? that's one thing that you know I I love teaching him to my students is because he is so imperfect. Yeah. But yet, most people would consider him the greatest president we've had. The greatest imperfection. Yeah. 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 And I think just really looking at his, his stance on slavery right. within the Civil War. As a, as a moderate Republican, because that's what gets you elected, right? Yeah. You're not going to be a radical abolitionist who gets the votes to become president, right? Yes. That, 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 that's just the reality, you know? Yeah, because like, obviously we mentioned the Stephen or the Douglas uh, Lincoln Douglas one of the two the Lincoln Douglas debates earlier in, in this episode and how from those debates uh, the Democrats painted Lincoln as a as an abolitionist right and so when he is elected that kind of added the fuel to the fire for the for the southerners who would become the Confederates and so that's that's them creating a narrative yeah, in their own them, time. Yeah, that's making, their spin, right? Making that's, him the bad guy. And yeah. then when you look at, you know, within the war, he's got um, a, a letter that he writes to Horace Greenlee, who was a, a newspaper editor at the time. And that's where yeah. he's got the famous quotes. You know, if I could save the Union without freeing a, freeing a, a single slave, I would. If I could free all the slaves and, and save the Union, I would. His, his whole purpose was to simply save the Union. But then a year later at Gettysburg, he's saying, you know, a new birth of freedom, all men are created equal. Right. Mm-hmm. So it shows that this fluidity of yeah. how things can change and people can change. That's one thing that I, I took a Kennedy class over the summer, mm-hmm. right? We did that, that the yeah. role of Catholicism, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, that's one thing that our, our lead professor really hit us on. Um, and then one of the books you read also covered that too. But for them, for, for this professor, um, the greatness of JFK, obviously a great speaker and has the look and all that sort of thing, but like, you know, that aside, he makes mistakes, but his ability to react and learn from those mistakes. And I think that's, that's, a, re, that's a, 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 more, a more honest human interpretation of people is that we will make mistakes. It's not just how you respond to crisis, how do you respond when you react wrongly to crisis, do you do you say, "Well, I'm still wrong," and that, but I have to run with it because I can't I can't switch? Or do you say, "You know what? I can err. 
let yeah. me adjust because there's larger there's a country yeah. at the you know it's like what's the definition of insanity it's like sure yeah doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results the so. same result yeah. yeah that's um did we share on the i think we did did we share on the podcast the what what dr brunsman from our revolution class said about george washington about like presentism but also not you remember what i'm talking about when it comes to like like slave owners, for example, yeah, I think so. As you were going through the the uh, Kennedy example, that's what I thought about. So we, in our American Revolution class, we had uh, Doctor Denver Brunsman as our as our really, scholar. Really yeah. enjoyed, and you had him too, Ethan, right? I didn't have him as a professor. I was at a workshop where he spoke, and it was awesome. Yeah, he was. He I read his book for a class, and I didn't know who he was. <laughs> he's impressive. Yeah, he's, 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 he's impressive. very impressive. He, yeah. He's a like one of the leading scholars on George Washington. I yeah. believe he teaches classes at uh, Mount yeah. Vernon. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yep. he 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 mentioned because obviously the founding fathers. There's a lot of there's a lot of gray area in terms of do we celebrate these men who literally helped build this country and the ideology but then at the same time many of whom were slave owners and he had the the good idea on how he teaches it to to his students at his university was this idea of of how do they change how do they evolve he 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 mentioned that we're selling them short if we just let them get away with it like don't give george washington a hard pass like don't do that no we need to we need to look at did george washington improve and uh, it was interesting. He, he brought some things to the light to me that George Washington actually did improve yeah. quite a bit. Um, uh, he mentioned, I think, in one of his lectures, um, like Benjamin Franklin, who, yeah. like, absolutely a slave owner, you know? Uh, we talked in the podcast before. We did our immigration episode. Said some pretty rough things about German immigrants, you know? Uh, but, you know, one of the last things he does before he dies is he um, he is a very active participant in the the early abolition movement he signs i forget what the document is but he signs his name yeah which was a pretty you know benjamin franklin signing your document is not a small deal uh supporting the <laughs> abolition worth benjamin's man uh, right worth <laughs> benjamin's uh, you know uh, it was abolition of slavery and so flawed man absolutely mm-hmm. but a, a flawed man who improved in his lifetime yeah you know a, a man who definitely changed when you look at society that wasn't changing maybe as fast as he was yeah and i think an interesting to kind of counter that dr brunsman then compared george washington uh, so to go back to washington so washington obviously was a slave owner yeah mount vernon um but during his time in this in the revolution um saw the sacrifices that black soldiers were making right one of his his uh, leading companions uh, i believe his name was william lee or william butler I don't remember. I have to look it up. But he was his basically his his manservant and um, saw the sacrifices that he made and and he that was the that was the one slave that that Washington freed when he died, William Lee, yeah. And uh, made it in his in his will that when his wife died, all of their slaves would be freed. And then he even provided them with an education, like money mm-hmm. for education. So, it wasn't great like I mean Dude, you probably should have just freed them all then, but that's that idea of presentism, right? Looking back, but then yeah. you compare him to Thomas Jefferson, right? So, guy, so what you're saying is you can't just let him off the hook either. Yeah, you can't <laughs> let him off the hook. Uh, but you look at Thomas Jefferson, a man who literally wrote, "All men are created equal," while at the same time, you know, owning slaves, and not only owning slaves, but you have the whole Sally Hemings affair. If you're not familiar with that, uh, right. Sally Hemings was. Uh, 
um, he was actually Sally Hemings was Jefferson's wife's half sister mm. who happened to be a mixed race slave. Uh, and so when Jefferson's first wife died, um, I don't think he didn't remarry, but he had uh, a intimate relationship with Sally Hemings. Yeah. And at this time, she's like a teenage girl. She's, she's pretty young. She accompanies him to Paris when he's mm-hmm. an ambassador there. And then um, father children, which this is actually something that has been, um, I think, more accepted by historians with DNA evidence. Because there was a lot of the Hemings family throughout generation had, had claimed descendancy from the Jeffersons. And mm-hmm. there were a lot of historians that said no. Right. Uh, some of Jefferson's daughter's descendants uh, said no. But with DNA evidence, it, it does show oh. that he did father some children. Right. And so that, that whole relationship still, you know, very much a, a stain on, on his legacy. Right. But definitely a man who, who in, in all essence, kind of digressed, right? He yeah. had these grandiose ideas that all men are created equal, but, right. but never lived up to them. And he kind of gets worse. On, yes, if you put him yeah. on a timeline, he kind of, like he after, kind of fall, falls farther away from yeah, that. After yeah. the, the Haitian <laughs> Revolution, I think he oh has the idea God. to... To just send all, you know, enslaved people or yeah, back he, to Africa. He, he calls yeah. for the back to Africa movement, but not for the right reasons. No. From at least a modern perspective, yeah. he, it's more just because he feels like they're going to create a revolution themselves. Yeah. And and then when it, speaking of Haiti, you know, he really uses a lot of America's growing power to pretty much screw Haiti for the foreseeable future. Yeah, you know, denying them resources and land and political power and voices and you know (laughs) the whole show you know so yeah Uh, i I, I pulled this quote from this is from that that book we read during our class from alan taylor another clutch if you if you combine denver brunsman and alan taylor i would what i would do for like to sit in a room with those guys right like (laughs) they're they're great and you read taylor too for your class right so you know you know his work well i really of all the books where you have to read the whole thing I really enjoyed his maybe the most of any of my... It was an easy read. He, he very simply laid out really big ideas. I love that. And it, and it was very inclusive. So we're talking about uh, Alan Taylor's book, American Revolutions. Yeah. Uh, not a sponsor. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he'd sponsor. <laughs> but he, uh, he outlines, outlines, you know, more than just the American Revolution, but kind of the other revolutions that are happening um on the continent so yeah. it, it gives you a really good perspective really good perspective and so in this in this quote he's referring to not one party not one platform not one decade or one election i guess in this case but he's talking about kind of our selective memory of history mm-hmm. how we we love to use the parts we don't and then throw away the parts we we don't like yeah. or we, we remember some things and misremember other things or you know leave things out entirely we're all guilty of that but so i'll read this um like a kaleidoscope we continue in every generation to make new combinations of classing clashing principles derived from the enduring importance and incompleteness of our american revolution the revolution remains embedded as selective memory in every contemporary debate wow and that's probably going to be America for our lifetime, for our children's lifetime, right? Yeah. Whatever we want it to be, right? That was really well said. Uh, he's, he's, a really the, he's a rock star, man. Yeah. He's a rock star. Keep living the revolution. For sure, dude. That's, I, love, I love that. I love <laughs> that. That needs to be on the shirt. Got a, that's that's go, honestly, it's kind of our calling, our, our calling card, you know. Um, 
that's that's awesome no i was just gonna say that's kind of maybe to bring it full circle here with wig history and that whole concept presentism if we continue to practice that if we if we're aware or we we at least we're in denial we we don't admit that we practice that because i think we all do we're basically arresting ourselves to the future and, and just kind of saying i'm okay with people in 2050 or 2090 judging me based on what they know Oh yeah, you're saying that's okay. We're saying some crazy stuff now. Yeah, it's and not going to play well. <laughs> we don't even know what we're saying now. Maybe we haven't learned yet. Maybe we're just not aware yet. Society's not there yet. Whatever it might be. Right. Uh, there's stuff we're probably all doing that people in the future are going to look back and be like, "What is wrong with them?" Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think we have to see that and understand that. You know. Yeah. I, I was I was thinking. Um, I asked Jonathan a second ago um, about is Lincoln his number one? You know, he said, yeah, mm. he's, he's, he's flawed, but, but yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and so we've talked about it before, but that C-SPAN ranking uh, of presidents, right. Mm-hmm. Where they have different historians rank. And so, um, you can find this, just Google like C-SPAN presidents. You'll find it. Um, I got, I got the list here guys for you. Um, but I'll turn this for you guys so you can see, but you know, Abe Lincoln is top and they, and they do this every couple of years. So the three ones are 2000, 2009, 2017 they've ranked so he's he's been consistently yeah, he's one um george washington and these have changed fdr t rose uh dwight eisenhower harry truman thomas jefferson jack kennedy reagan lbj woodrow wilson now some of these have are still controversial like obviously like obama's on here pretty high yeah. you know but that's only from one poll to 2017 so who knows let's say they do it again like 2025 right that could easily change it's pretty early um, even people like like Reagan, since he's kind of the, he's kind of who you wanna, he he's almost like the founding father of the modern Republican Party, yes, right? Yeah. And so he is still his legacy is still definitely yeah, it's a still controversial, that high, yeah. right? For sure. You scroll away to the bottom. Okay, who's at the bottom? You know who's at the bottom. It's got to be Millard Fillmore, right? He's close, but no, he's not. James Buchanan, Andrew Jackson. He's also low, but not as low as you think. Johnson, Andrew Johnson. It's definitely James Buchanan. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> this is one of those. Because, like, in terms of, like, responding to a crisis. Dude could have, he could have. A hundred percent no. Like, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the, um, here's the, and then other low people. Andrew Johnson's down there, too. Yeah. Um, Warren G. Harding is, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Because all, all the crisis, all the scandals and stuff that happened right. after he died. It's, right. it's a lot of Gilded Age presidents yeah. here. And so what's interesting is, like, if you look at the top here. Is this now? These historians are are very impressive, right? Mm-hmm. But is this them being romantic about that early Cold War period when we're crushing it, right? Yep. Because you see, um, like Harry Truman, John F. Kennedy, LBJ. You know, they're all kind of Eisenhower's yeah. up there. They're all in that tight little band. Now, I'm not saying they all were were good or bad presidents, but I'm saying is as you scroll down, you get into those 1800s real fast. So I think there's some <laughs> bias there, right? Um, if you, let's look at the category now. Herbert Hoover's low, obviously response to the Great Depression, not great. Here's the categories, and I like these. That's what I was going to ask. What is this? Um, so James Buchanan, probably always going to be towards the bottom, if not the absolute bottom president, right? Um, by the way, they don't count Grover Cleveland twice, Jonathan. So oh, no, I was going to ask. Shout out, yeah. I was going to ask for Grover. <laughs> like Grover, 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 one, Grover one and Grover two. Yeah. Just more reason why he's only the twenty second president. <sighs> He can still get it though. You can you can fight me. He can still get it. Yeah. 
Um, so they, the, the categories, public persuasion, um, and this is out of 100 for reference. Okay. And so you can see he's not doing too hot. Um, crisis leadership, which he got a 17 and on. That's his lowest score. That's his yeah. lowest score by far. Uh, economic management. And they and that's not like which system, what type of economy do you agree with, but more like just how you manage. How do you manage it? Whether you, regardless of your yeah. ideals, uh, moral authority, international relations, administrative skills, relation with Congress, which you can see, not great, not playing well to that growing Republican Party. Uh, vision setting an agenda. So that's even if like even if like the agenda like by today's standards is like offensive, even if it's yeah. like remove the native americans andrew jackson you know that's you set an agenda you had yeah. a vision right uh pursued equal justice for all that's the category that gets a lot of people who are you know different morality different yeah. time or or were like open like racists or like you know yeah that's supremacist. one that's one that's kind of like an outlier where it's super is this out of a hundred um, I don't know how they score each one of these is out of 100. And then uh, performance within context of the time. So let's look at, just for context, let's look at, let's look at number one. Look, look at Lincoln. Uh, I'm scrolling up here. And guys, feel free to, like, check this out online if you want to. It just, we're, we're interested in data, so. So, it's yeah. definitely out of 100. Definitely out of 100. Oh, so geez, Buchanan wow. just got a really low score. I'm, um, I'm thinking of, like, <laughs> NBA 2K yeah. rankings right, right now. Right, right. Buchanan's, like, highest score was a 34. A 34. Yeah. He's like a brown 100. shirt. Yep. Is that what they're called on 2K? Brown shirt. What's the... Uh, Target audience. Oops. What's the What's the <laughs> developmental league? Is that the... What's the, the, the D league? G league. Yeah. The, is it G league now? G league. What's G now? Gatorade. Oh. Is it really? I'm pretty sure, yeah. They bought, they bought a league? I, no, seriously, like, it's, they're, like, the sponsor. That's hysterical. That, it used to be the D-League, though, right? Yeah. Okay. That's so, that's, so that's, we talked last time, capital and labor. Capital's still winning, right? <laughs> there, you <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, so Lincoln, you can see public persuasion, 92. Crisis leadership, 97. And so that's, I think, that's, that's I think that's crazy. pretty solid. Um, and then stuff like equal justice for all, he gets a 93, which is one of his highest, uh, lower scores here. Um performance within context of times 97 uh economic management 80 you know certainly wartime economies are, are challenging right so i just i love looking at this because there's so much stuff and so there's things like okay so theodore roosevelt you think of like is an imperialist believes in the white man's burden right but also like trust trust buster mm -hmm. right national parks you know um really creates the modern presidency with right like Bully pulpits and first president to have a uh, secret service protection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it only took him four assassinated or three right. assassinated presidents. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite things in last episodes when you told us about how James Garfield got killed. I really <laughs> shot in the back. <laughs> well, you another interesting fact. You do know the day Lincoln was killed, he signed into law the bill that created the secret service. I did know that actually, but yeah, but it's kind of misleading because the, the secret service at that time was like counterfeiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was not the same job. Yeah, right? not, the same, not job, the same job. Not the same job. Yeah. It's like uh, we want accountants. So is, was that me trying to do Whig history? Trying. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you yes. look at you look at Theodore Roosevelt, who uh, over 2000 to 2009, 2017 was was ranked four, so pretty high up, pretty high okay. up, right? It's consistent. And so you know, public persuasion—that's the bully pulpit, 93. Uh, crisis leadership 83 economic management 76 you can see how like it goes the numbers get low really fast yeah. for, he's number four and he's scoring look in the at, 80s and 70s equal justice for all but then you get to equal justice and have to do with brownsville 
probably Texas. Well, it's like, and, yeah. and, that, and that's what I'm talking about. Is it's like, so I, what I like dollar diplomacy. <laughs> dollar, yeah, white man's burden, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. we're gonna build a panel. We're gonna build a canal through your country. By the way, like yeah. you know, oh, you you don't want us to. Start a revolution. Right. <laughs> it's right. I'm going to drive the... I love the picture of him in the crane. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? He's wearing like an all-white suit. Mm-hmm. Nice. He's like, I want to I wanna play with the crane. Like, I want to... He, he I looks like Boss Hog from like... He really Rising. does. Yeah, he really does. So, but I, I, I don't know about you guys. I love this tool because I think it, it does a good job of getting around presentism. Even though like we acknowledged, it might suffer itself from present. Presentism is not something you can avoid. It's more just a bias you're aware of, yeah, because you're not gonna get fully out of it, you yeah. know. Um, I think we've covered everything we wanted to cover, guys. This has been a solid fireside chat. We've talked about, we've gotten deep on a few yeah. different. This things is definitely here. more of a, a philosophical <laughs> one, but I think that's okay. Yeah, I think that's we're, we're uh, yeah salon here. We're passionate about what. Oh, Ethan has a great project he's oh doing with gosh. his. Oh my goodness. Now it hasn't. They haven't done anything yet, so can, it could. By the time this gets released, it could be garbage. This is for our teacher but, friends. Can yeah. I summarize this in like two minutes? I'm yeah. super excited. I've never done it before. I ripped it off of a AP training I went to. My shout out to my AP Euro class that I know every single one of those students is listening to this whole episode. All Just, of it. <laughs> all of it. Yeah. Every. Anyways. Moment, yeah. No. 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 So we were learning about which is a new thing is about. Uh, coffee houses in the Enlightenment were a big deal. Okay. And really, it's kind of a hub. You think of all aspects of life in the 16th, 17th century, like trade, commerce, um, philosophy, religion, politics, all of the all of these things kind of meet in coffee houses, and coffee houses boom um, around Europe. And your ideas are better also because you're, so, you're not hanging out in a bar. Exactly. You're not, you're so not the drinking whole, caffeine. The whole so. idea was uh, <laughs> it's, it's um, definitely kind of it's the anti-alcohol coffee is anti-alcohol it stimulates you it makes you think more sharply and so um there's a great article from the economist back in 2003 called um the internet in a cup Hmm. and it's really good and it talks about how basically coffee houses were the internet of its time back in 17th century europe and crazy stuff is going on and and like two weeks before the french the storming of the bastille and in france there, there's a, a man standing on a table with two pistols in a coffee shop shouting to armed citizen, to armed citizens. <laughs> uh, Isaac Newton in London with a, a buddy of his bring a dolphin into one of the coffee shops to dissect. Just... <laughs> which, which so, having, so... having, having, having... First a... off, where did Isaac Newton <laughs> right. get a dolphin? <laughs> that, that was my question too. Like, was it put on ice or... Uh... Not even the fact that he's bringing it into the coffee shop. It's like, where, no, but did, where do you get a dolphin in London? Coffee shops were the hub. And like different coffee shops had different... Depending on where they were located in the town, like one would be more focused on politics, one would be more focused on science, one would be more focused on religion and theology like just such a thing anyways I've been, go- I've been going to the wrong coffee shop <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mine just have pumpkin spice lattes i don't know <laughs> uh, but anyways what i'm having my students do is they're signing uh, they're each going to play a different character like anything from like a freed black slave to a reformed jewish rabbi to like a, a merchant to like just there's like a list of like 20 some different characters they're basically going to build a character sheet and like kind of create like a fictional background of what is this character's philosophical influences? Hmm. Um, and then um, eh, later this week, our class, my, my digital classroom will become an enlightenment coffee house. I'm encouraging them to maybe dress up and have a prop to bring coffee or hot beverage. 
and to speak with a whatever European accent, which has got to be careful with that. But, you know, it's a, really what it is, it's a role play. It's a simulation mm-hmm. of an Enlightenment coffee house. You, you ask them to have a lot of really thinking through the, the perspective their, their characters would have. Uh, yeah, politics, religion, um, uh, a lot of things going on at the time, philosophy. Uh, yeah, we're going there. And they're doing it through in the shoes. And I told them, guys, the per, your, the character you select is going to think differently and disagree with what you think. Right. And you have to be okay with that. Right. So it's forcing them, talking about presentism yeah, and like history, it's forcing them to think from the perspective of a different person. Right. Super excited for it. That's awesome. Don't know. <laughs> I have high hopes. I really do. Yeah. I have a great group of students. Let us know on the next Fireside Chat. How it goes. Yeah. How it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I had, I know we're just about done here. I, um, today I, for bell work, we looked at, you know, the, the Imperialist cartoon, uh, school, school begins. That was called school. Yeah. Is it called School Begins? I don't know what it's called, but I know which one you're talking about. I'm going to pull it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's where, the, it's the white teacher with, like, the... Like, Uncle Sam is teaching. Yes. yes. And uh, it, it's, it's a great it's a great perspective on during the imperial, the brief imperial era of, of, of America, right? Um, I guess some people would argue that we've become imperial, but in, in less aggressive, less physical ways, more just social economic ways but anyways like our actual imperial age and so it was just bell work thing where like they had to answer these questions and they were just in small groups so we did like the breakout rooms through uh-huh. through uh through teams um and dude it literally i've never had a bell work that literally went bell to bell like we started it <laughs> when we started it like minute one and we finished at minute like 79 and i was wow. like so we're not that's gonna me. get to everything else today guys <laughs> that's bell work <laughs> but dude it was so good and they got so work. into it and i i would encourage you guys to check out that cartoon is, is a school begins school something fact sure. check us tell just, us on facebook just just school card political cartoon imperialism you'll find it um but it's such a great commentary on on race relations and policy and everything like that statehood you know mm-hmm. and they just nailed it man and i i We've talked about last time with Jonathan that it's it takes a lot of energy. Is it schools? School begins. School begins. Okay, um, it's hard to learn this. It's hard to teach this way. It's hard to build relationships this way. But when you have a slam dunk, it feels so good because like it doesn't happen as much as it does in person. You know what I mean? Mm, and so I it's been a yeah. long time since I was like they these kids. And I'm not saying like I nailed like they nailed it. And That's I was good. like, yeah. dude, like. I, I, it's one of those things where you're like, this is a rabbit hole. This is an 80 minute rabbit hole, but like, let's jump in. They, <laughs> right. They nailed it. Like, and so I was, I'm just, I got to give a, you got to give a shout out to your, your class. I give a shout out to mine. Cause I'm just so you impressed. You guys are man. killing it. All I have is some pigeons trying to break into my classroom. You have pigeons. Yeah. Consistently during my, the same hour, the last two days I've been in this classroom for three years. You guys have a new school. How are there yeah. pigeons there already? <laughs> no, it's from the outside. Like I, I, I've been in this classroom for three years now. This has never happened, and it's happened consistently, back to back. Someone's Same hour, this pigeon just like flies into my window. <laughs> it's loud, right? Someone's trying to send you a, a letter, a message. Yeah, am I being drafted? Very much in, the, very much in the, the, the salon era, right? It's, yes. uh, yeah. So, they, President Lincoln, is that you? Has, you to, has to be bars? loud, right? It just go boom. Yeah, I heard it. I had the, I had the blinds down because the sun was shining in my eyes, and you know it was affecting you know how good I looked on camera. And so I, I yeah, like, hold up, guys. I hear this thump, and I'm like, wait, what's going on? I pull up the blinds, and I kid you not, this pigeon is like staring at me and like flapping its wings, like super aggressive. I'm like, what is going on? And then again today, same thing. 
it flew, landed right there, and just staring at me. So it's, it's obviously a. Uh... If it was an owl in Native American symbolism, that have grand ramifications. That's our, I think, a pigeon. Maybe that's our uh, uh, podcast mascot now. It's the pigeon. It's the that's... pigeon. So, Lincoln, we love you, but you're gone, dude. It's, uh, You've been replaced put, put by some, Put some sunglasses. Put on some sunglasses on that pigeon. Yep. Uh, I think we just got the name of our episode. Yes. <laughs> put some sunglasses on the pigeon. <laughs> Well, I think uh, we, we appreciate you guys being here. And always uh, feel free to fact check us, write in comments, requests, uh, whether it's shirts, topics, ideas, whatever. Um, we're really enjoying seeing where this thing is going, man. And I think I say it every time, but I just love that I get to sit down and have the same conversation with two of my best friends that I wouldn't normally, you know, uh, on air, you know. And I'm just right, I'm so right. grateful that we get to do this, guys. I really am. So. This is awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, Jonathan, you want to lead us out? Yes, and I remember it this time. (laughs) Stay safe. Stay sane. Wear a mask. Thanks, guys.